Dateline, 9th of February, 2015, and yeah, 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 I'm back, all right, yeah, I didn't totally break it, it was just the radiator, and we had to replace it. In my defense, 360,000 kilometers in that vehicle, and finally the radiator goes right when I'm driving it, yeah. Go me. Hi, Steve. You've had a whole week to rehearse that. Welcome back, folks, to the Australia <laughs> Desk for episode 336. Now, Grant, you've broken another car. It's not my fault. We've got, we have lots of old vehicles in the fleet, and I keep getting to drive them. Well, like Ben said on last week's segment, I'm glad he hasn't bought an aeroplane. Hey. hey. <laughs> well, I know an aeroplane you could buy. Qantas is retiring a lot of 747s at the moment, mate. Oh, a lot of them? I thought they were just re- retiring one particular one. They are indeed. In fact, um, Oscar Juliet Alpha, OJA which is, was, in fact, the first 747-438 to come into the Qantas fleet way, way back in uh, 1988 or 89 or somewhere back there, a long time ago anyway. I think I had not long left high school when this aircraft came into service. This was the one that did the uh, non-stop arrival flight from London. Actually, this record still stands today. It uh, flew non-stop from London to Sydney, which is uh, 18,001 nautical miles in a time of 20 hours and 10 minutes, and uh, that's a heck of a record, Grant. Uh, gee whiz, um, they'd want to have... Uh, some pretty good meals on that aircraft. Well, they uh, I've actually read the story of how they did it. There was a lot of planning. They had special high-density fuel to help make it happen. They calculated it to within an inch of the uh, nearest weight that they could get away with. The crew were limited in what they were allowed to bring. There was a couple of... Uh, you know, uh, reporters and VIPs on board who were limited in what they were allowed to pack. Um, it was right down to the to the wire, and, and uh, they were very lucky that they got uh, great air traffic control support right across the world. And they were cleared into areas, and other aircraft were like, "Hey, why can't we get that?" To which the answer was, "You're not going as far as these guys." And uh, yeah, they it was a one-off thing, but it got everyone's attention. It was kept very well under wraps. They were very uh, concerned that the word would get out, and there was all sorts of uh, secrecy around it. But yeah, flew. From, um, from Washington to London, got everything set up, and away it went. Now, that's all really cool, Grant. In fact, um, looking at uh, some of the history of this uh, this aircraft on uh, one of my favourite Airplane Geeks websites, AussieAirliners.org. Uh, interestingly, Grant, uh, during its career, it's actually uh, been wet-leased to the former Ansett Airlines briefly, which uh, I thought that was interesting to cover the loss of uh, one of their Boeing 747s temporarily. And uh, then it came back into Qantas service and it's been operating all these years, Grant. But unlike most of the other Qantas 747 fleet, which, you know, I think there's probably more Qantas 747s sitting out there at Victorville on the bone these days. Mm. Um, this one's going to a rather more unique place and it's really cool actually. That's right, mate. It's going to do a, a very special retirement flight, a really, really long one. It's going to take off from Sydney and land almost next door, just down the hill at Wollongong in the uh, Illawarra area. And it's going to uh, go and park at the Historical Aircraft Restoration Society, a.k.a. HARS. Qantas um, have another uh, 747, an older one up there at the Founders Museum up there in Longreach in Queensland. So, uh, you know, they've proved that they can get the uh, aircraft into these shorter runways. And uh, there's a lot of uh, simulator training, we believe, going on. And at the moment, uh, no official date has been set for its arrival down there into the Illawarra regional airport just south of uh, Sydney but uh, the early mail we're hearing is about mid-March I think and Grant I think we're going to have to get on a Qantas plane or any other plane that can get us up there because uh, I think we need to be there to watch this uh, momentous arrival. It could be pretty good to see uh, the hard bit's going to be getting the right day because they need a uh, minimum headwind coming down the runway for them to uh, actually make the approach and land successfully and apparently it's going to have the cabin stripped out that'll be shipped down by truck to be put back in once it's landed so 
So they're really cutting it right to the bone on this one. And uh, it's getting a lot of comments. There's a few people who'd rather see that it actually went to the Longreach uh, Qantas Founders Museum. But, you know, uh, I think it's going to be pretty good down at Illawarra. Uh, I'm not still not sure exactly where they're going to park it uh, because when Haas get all their aircraft out, there's not a lot of tarmac left. <laughs> so adding this one, it's going to pack the place out. Yeah, very true. But uh, I tell you what, it'll be spectacular when it goes uh, down there. And uh, really good of Qantas to uh, you know uh, consider doing this. Uh, this aircraft was originally scheduled to make its way across to retirement in Victorville back on December the eighth, but they kept it in service for a few more flights. It's operated across to Johannesburg a few times, I believe, and also up to uh, Japan. I think somewhere up that way. Anyway, somewhere up in uh, Asia. And uh, so it's still been doing the work. And at the moment, it's currently sitting at Sydney Airport. But uh, yeah, good on Qantas and uh, Haas for uh, making that happen. I think it's. Very very important. Oh, mate, uh, I think it's going to be pretty good. And I, I wouldn't half mind being on it because I reckon she's going to climb like a homesick angel. But the only problem is she uh, won't be allowed to climb too high because she'll have just started climbing and it's time to start getting into the pattern for uh, Wollongong just down the hill. Yeah. They say <laughs> wheels up, wheels down. Do you reckon they'd even bother putting the wheels up? I don't know. Oh, no, they'll put the wheels up and then, <laughs> you know, stooge it down there. But, yeah, it's um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, anyway, we'll uh, report on that a little bit more. Hopefully, we'll uh, be able to cover the arrival of that because I think that'd be really, really cool. Now, Grant, let's talk about uh, Qantas's competitor, Virgin Australia. They're doing some interesting things over there in New Zealand. Well, sort of, Grant, I guess from a business standpoint. Yeah, well, they're consolidating their air operator certificates. They currently have one in New Zealand that's used to operate uh, Pacific Blue. So uh, you had Virgin Blue in the old days, and then they started doing some flights around the Pacific. And they called that enterprise Pacific Blue. It was uh, based out of New Zealand using New Zealand registered aircraft and so on. And uh, they've got uh, 10 737-800s over there. Well, as part of their consolidation and uh, cutting costs and so on, they're going to shut down the uh, New Zealand Air Operators Certificate and those 10 aircraft are going to come back into the Australian register and they'll be doing Pacific flights uh, from within Australia. And interesting here, Grant, this article I'm reading here in australianaviation.com.au says they're also going to uh, reconfigure those 10 aircraft from their current 180-seat premium economy economy layout to the standard 8-seat business 168-seat economy cabin that's uh, standard on all the rest of the Virgin Australia fleet. Granted, I note with interest that the last red-painted Virgin Blue aircraft has finally been painted white in the new Virgin oh, Australia yeah. livery. I'd say the new Virgin Australia livery, but I think it was about 2011, wasn't it, when they changed that <laughs> name over? It does seem to have been a while, but it has taken them uh, quite a number of aircraft to get through. Uh, I, I, yeah, some people are saying they're upset to see the premium economy go. I don't know. I quite like the business class up in these aircraft. I've uh, managed to fly in it quite a number of times and uh, definitely enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, look, we'll see how it all comes through. The, they're still going to fly the same routes, which do include New Zealand and up to the Pacific and so on, but I'd say they're just going to fold it into the Virgin Australia International Airlines AOC, which is also the one they use for the 777 operations. Yep, and all this is made possible by an open skies agreement, uh, which uh, allows, actually it's been in effect for this part of the world at least since 2007, so uh, you know, this is uh, this is how this is possible. It allows New Zealand aircraft to recognise Australian AOCs and vice versa. That's the one, mate, that's the one, but hey, you know, speaking of open skies, there's a little bit of open skylarking perhaps going on in this uh, um, yeah, rather tongue-in-cheek article. Well, and now, Grant, um, this is a really interesting... Uh, now, everybody's heard of this uh, newspaper, haven't they, Grant? The Batuta Advocate, I think that's how you pronounce the it. The Outback Onion. Sounds like the Outback Onion to me. I I don't uh, I don't uh, think this is anything more than satire, but there was an article that came out this week talking about a pilot up in the Northern Territory who was uh, apparently allegedly arrested after defacing Ayers Rock, or Uluru, in a deeply offensive stunt, according to this newspaper. Someone says that uh, this person tried to land his light aircraft on it. 
I have my doubts, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. having uh, seen photos of the top and spoken to people who have been on the top of Uluru, uh, mate, it's not exactly flat. <laughs> it looks flat from a distance, but once you get up to it, it's quite lumpy. And I think he wouldn't have left um, two long black marks on the surface of the famous landmark, as per the article. I think he would have let, left bits of landing gear and half his aircraft up there. But I, I love the uh, comments from a Dale Wap Jones, a cleaner at the nearby Ayers Rock Resort, um, saw the action unfold. He's coming in hot, like real hot. He done flying right over my head and straight for the rock. It's like, okay. And apparently he heard the squeak from the tires when he put her down. So yeah, he's doing pretty well because uh, the rock's pretty bloody high. So I don't know how he managed to hear that squeak all the way down on the ground. Yeah. Now we only mentioned this article because it's been doing the rounds in some of the aviation press this week. Um, you know, I think it's nothing more than satire myself. But uh, oh, it's absolutely hilarious. Well, the article <laughs> itself is not so funny. It's all the comments that are below the article that I find quite funny. But anyway folks if you're interested uh, and want like a bit of a laugh we'll put that link in the show notes I think Outback Onion's a good description for this uh, this magazine. They, they You look at some of the other articles on it and they get up to a fair bit of mischief. But yeah, some people have obviously uh, believed it was right and there's some some you know professionally outraged people there getting a little outraged. So. Yes, well, Grant, don't get me started on those type of people. I think we ought to sign off here. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. Oh, hang on, Steve. I just got to take this call. Hang on. Hey, yeah, Dave. Yeah. How's things down at Crazy Bob's car yard? What? You got another one? 400,000 on the clock. Deal. I'll take it. Oh, brother. I'll be right back, dude. I think I can argue them down to $10 for this one.